0: What's up and welcome to the best podcast for coaches, the Coaches Collective. I'm Derek Perkins. I'm here with Dan Casey and Chris Maleo. Each week, we give you access to the most innovative coaches and leaders in and out of sports. We ask the questions, you get the answers. Real content you can take from the show back to your teams. This week, we catch up with Coach Jim Knowles, defense coordinator for the Oklahoma State Cowboys. We, of course, dive into some scheme, talk defensive philosophy, his transition from the ACC to the Big 12, and now working for Coach Mike Gundy. If you're enjoying the content, please make sure to subscribe, leave us a review, and give us a follow on Twitter at Coach Collect. It really helps the podcast to continue to grow. As always, get your pen and paper ready for another episode of the Coach's Collective.
1: Welcome everyone. This is Chris Maleo with Dan Casey and Derek Perkins. Our guest today is Coach Jim Knowles, the defensive coordinator at Oklahoma State. Coach Knowles, welcome to the show.
2: Hey man, it's great to be here. Good to see good to see all you
1: guys. Absolutely. Well, you and I go back. We've known each other for a long time uh, so far. You, you even recruited my brother to come play for you when you were the head coach at, at Cornell University. Um, but one of the things we want to kind of get kicked off and the first question I want to ask is something that's always fascinated me. Uh, you obviously went to Cornell University, you played there, you were an Ivy League guy, and then you chose to get into football and coaching. Um, I always have been fascinated specifically with, you know, high-end academic you know, guys who graduate from high-end academic universities, especially Ivy League schools, who have made that choice to get into coaching because you have so many options when you're coming out of school. Can you talk to us a little bit about your coaching j- journey and then kind of the motivation for you to get into coaching?
2: Absolutely. I mean, I I, uh, went to, you know, grew up uh, inner city Philadelphia, um, you know, not, you know, from a lower middle class background. So going to an Ivy League school was all about making money, getting out and getting a job and making money, which which I did. But it only lasted. It only lasted a year. And so I had played football since I was six years old. So every football season since I was six. And in Philly, I was coached by cops and firemen and plumbers. And these guys um, really saved my life growing up in the neighborhood that I did. Um, they had such a profound influence on me, um, these volunteer Top Warner coaches um you know who who used to tell me stories that they would go to my my grade school and if I wasn't getting A's and B's I couldn't play you know later on I found out that was all that was all bs that they were <laughs> but, but you know I believed it I was one of those I was one of those kids you know even though we didn't have a car you know we had one car and but I but I would I would sit like on the stoop with my helmet and pads on you know three hours before practice, you know, or make, make uh, my mother, uh, have dinner ready three hours before practice because the coach told us you better eat, you know, two hours before practice. You know, I just did whatever. I mean, literally it was, it was, it, it added football, added so much structure to my life that was missing in kind of a crazy environment. And I did it since I was six. So yeah. when I got my big Ivy league job and, um, In the real world, the one season I have not, it was, um, I graduated in 87. So it, it was the season of 87 was the one year I haven't been in football since 1971 when I was six. And, you know, I think nowadays I'd probably get arrested and they would call me a stalker because I was hanging around. I was literally doing, hanging around high school fields, like outside the fence, looking in. You know, smelling the grass, just like in my suit, in my Wall Street suit, kind of looking through the, you know, I was just, um, I missed it so much. So um, I uh, contacted my college head coach, um, Maxie Bond, who was a great NFL player and really had a great, profound influence on me. Um, wrote him a letter. God, you guys don't even know, you're not even old enough to know what a letter is. Wrote him. And uh, he called me up in the spring of '88, and he said, uh, "He's a Southern guy, right? So hey, hey boy, I, I got a job for you." I said, "Coach, I got a job. You know, I'm making six figures right out of college. I'm doing great." He's like, "Yeah," I said, "I'll pay you three three thousand, give you some free meals, and and put you up, give you a bed in the locker room, you know." And okay. I said, "I said I'll I'll take it." you know, I'll take it. And, um, you know, I used to, I, that one year I was out of football, I had, I had dream real dreams that I would, that I would, um, you know, I'd get to be all of 30 an old man of 30 and have kids and not be, you know, and be stuck, not stuck in the business world. That's a great place for a lot of people, but that I would never, um, chase my coach's dream. So when I got the opportunity, when he asked me to go back and you know, be the equivalent of an Ivy League GA, which is, you know, coffee guy and, you know, do you know, uh, low man on the totem pole. When he gave me that opportunity, I jumped at it and I just quit my job. You know, it was the right time for me because I did not have uh, any responsibilities, you know, Chris, so I could give up the money. I never came for money. So it was just like, hey, you know what? And, you know, my parents were like, hey, you know, go ahead and, and uh, chase this dream. And, and from there on, it's just been, uh, uh, you know, it's just been fantastic. That was, you know, my first year in football in 1988, we actually won the Ivy league championship at Cornell. And that is that some of my best memories are coaching scout team, you know, coaching the scout team and uh, really enjoying those guys. And, and, you know, running plays against the defensive coordinator and making him upset because we, you know, because we busted a run and, you know, and getting the offense all fired up and, you know, that, and, uh, you know, I used to put on like an old leather, leather helmet and get in, you know, just do crazy things like that to motivate the players. Um, I just, I really loved it. I did. I guess I fell in love with coaching that first year and and uh, it's been that way ever since.
0: Yeah. Well, coach,
3: your passion is obvious, obviously, you know, walking away from, Wall Street, jumping into coaching, were you always a defensive guy or was there ever a question, you know, which side of the ball do I really want to invest my energy and learning in?
2: Yeah. You know, I played defense. Right. And then I come back to Cornell. And um, so I, you know, GA on defense for one season. And then um, there's a coaching change and uh, promoted from within and the only spot open was the running backs coach, right? So they they actually tried, like so I only did I mean, just so lucky. you know, I just sent one of my GAs, a guy named Shane Eachis, uh, who came here with me. He was the Division three uh, defense coordinator at our sinus, like a full-time job, and he wanted to break into division one so he's got to do the GA. So he comes out here and, and thankfully after three years, he just got the DC job at Houston Baptist. But the point is, as we know, as we all know, right, there's no prescribed path. There's no, I mean, there's no corporate ladder. I mean, if you're right place, right time, know the right, you know, you just, but anyway, for me, it's a good question because I had played defense and my, my first year coaching as a GA was on defense. And, um, there was a change and, and they basically created a position. You know, they opened a position for me on offense as a running back coach, probably because they just thought I didn't have much experience. They wanted me to hire me um, for 1989, twenty three thousand dollars. I remember that was a full time coach in the Ivy League and that was great. I, mean, I thought I had hit the lottery, but, you know, they actually created this position because probably because they thought I could do the least damage there. Right. Cause I was, a, I was a young guy and didn't know that much. So then I spent, and then a, a, a new coach came in after that and I stayed with the running backs. So, you know, probably for the first, um, I want to say like six years of my career, I was coaching on offense. <laughs> wow. And, and I tell you, and then, and then I've been defense ever since, but, um, what what a blessing because i i learned protections i mean i learned i learned how offenses run how they think how they block things how they scheme things up that has been an invaluable experience uh for me you know those early years i spent on on offense um immediately when i went on defense i knew how to uh attack protections so much better
0: yeah it's cool coach talking about your journey you know you were at Duke for seven, eight years, which is, which is rare in the college game, you know, to, the ability to have the opportunity to stay at a place like that for that length of time. Um, and then you you make the jump to Oklahoma state in the big 12. You've got to be one. You've got to be crazy. to want to be a DC in the big 12. So talk us through um, that transition.
2: Well, you know, you guys know David Cutcliffe um, head coach at Duke and, he is as advertised. He is um, about as quality as a person, a coach as you'll ever experience in this profession. I mean, I've, I've been in it with a profession now since 1988, and he is as, as solid and um, as a coach, a mentor, all of that. You know, so I was with him at Ole Miss. You know, we won the mm-hmm. college with Eli Manning. And then when I went back with him at Duke, yeah, it, we had such a great run. You know, we took uh, a program that was really down and and we uh, went to a bunch of bowls, won the Coastal in 2013. Right. Um, um, you yeah, know, played uh, in the ACC championship and the Chick-fil-A bowl against Johnny Manziel and uh, <laughs> ACC championship against Jameis Winston. all. All my future doctors and lawyers at Duke, they we struggled a little bit again in those last two games in <laughs> 2013, but we had we had a we had a great year. And then, you know, I just I just felt like uh, and, and and I just felt like I had done, you know, what I had set out to do at Duke. And we had built uh, the program into an, an established um, contender, you know, a program to be respected. And you know, I also had guys um, Macerari, who's the defense coordinator there now, who took over for me. Was a guy I felt I had, you know, kind of brought him in as a GA, elevated him to a position coach. He's super bright, yeah. and um, you know, sometimes you got to get out of the way. I mean, I remember when I was when I was a young coach, you know, and things would come up for the other coaches and, and opportunities and we take them or explore them, I'd get upset. Like, come on, man, you got to look at that, you know, cause yeah. you know, not, you know, selfishly every, the ball needs to keep rolling. Mm-hmm. That's kind of what I thought at Duke was okay. I had done so much and coach Cuckold was like a father to me. I mean, really it was hard to leave. I mean, it was emotional because uh, I love him and my time there. Yeah. This came up. I didn't know coach Gundy. It was, it was like a wide open interview situation. Now, Guys will tell you in this profession, you, you know, I've been in it a long time. I have not interviewed many times, you know. Um, I don't like that about our profession. You know, I, I think a lot of it is is who you know, you yeah. know, your reputation. I love interviewing or talk clinics. Like I do clinics, you know. Cl- Anybody who wants to talk football, I do it because it makes me a better teacher. I mean, anytime you have to put that stuff together. So when coach Gundy called me and basically called me because we had great uh, stats, you know, we had become like a top 20 defense at Duke and he knew how hard that was to do. He called me, but I think I was one of 10 guys, you know, but I just loaded up my laptop, came out, you know, it's like, three hours, you know, nonstop talking. What about this? What about that? You know? Oh yeah. I'll, I'll show you this. I mean, I enjoyed the hell out of it, but no, and I had a great job at Duke, you know, yeah. and um, you looked at Oklahoma state and he just said, man, those guys score a lot of points. You know, if, if we can, if, if I can go out there and help build a defensive culture, you know, similar to the culture they already have on offense, we're going to make some, you know, we're going to make some waves in college football. Yeah. So I saw it as an opportunity. I saw it. You're, you're exactly right. To get out of my comfort zone. I mean, I could have stood, I could have been there at Duke with Coach Cutcliffe and, because we're like family, you know, and we could have and still been there. But it's getting out, you know, getting out of my comfort zone. And mm-hmm. you, being a defensive coordinator in the Big 12 is really um, a form of insanity, you know. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, you know, it's like, why would you sign up for that? And it, and it and it is different than anywhere else I've been because the offensive coordinators out here, you know, they're not um, satisfied with making first downs. They want touchdowns. And, the, and the, you know, um, if you have any exposure at all, they're going to go after it. So it's been a challenge and I've had to, to kind of adjust and adapt uh, things to to make us better here at Oklahoma state, but we've made a lot of progress in three years.
3: Coach, you were, you were talking about coach Gundy almost, I mean, essentially cold calling you based on the production you guys had at Duke. And obviously you had a phenomenal run there with some, um, a ton of success. And, you know, we've heard stories of coach Gundy calling up, you know, D2, D offensive coordinators and bringing them in like coach Yersich or coach Gleason from Princeton. And he's kind of got a history of that. Like, where does that come from, from coach Gundy to have kind of the, just the, you know, the confidence to just go out there and and give people shots.
2: Yeah. I mean, he's just that type of guy. He's really, he's really an outside the box thinker, you know, he, um, he's put Oklahoma state on the map in my opinion, you know, and, and and he, and he's, he's done it just like you're talking about doing things, you know, unconventionally and, um, you know, he he looks like, yeah, he got Yersich who's who's a star, and Sean, Sean, who's a star. And he found those guys, you know, basically just starting by looking at stats. Yeah. And and then you got to, you know, then, of course, he interviews them and you find out. You, you, there he's got, come on, we know. I mean, look, I'm making a lot of money coaching and we all are. But there are guys every bit as good as me at Division three and Division two, you know, just haven't had the right break, and and, mm-hmm. and so that's he he looks for that, and he and he he sees the stats, and that's you know we had some good stats, you know, points per drive and things like that at Duke and third down, and um, you know one of the things that I'm most proud of here is this year we finished first in the country, number one in the country in third down uh, conversion rate. Wow which is, which, you know, that's, that's a big deal, but he he sees those things. He has key kind of indicators that he looks for. And, um, you know, he looks across all divisions because he knows too, there are good coaches all across this country.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Coach, you know, can you talk a little bit about your, I mean, you're the head coach of the defense. Can you talk a little bit about, you know, you you touched upon Coach Cutcliffe, his impact on you, you know, as a a person, as a coach. Can you talk about maybe how some of your, you know, the the other coaches you've played for and coached with have impacted you and then how that's affected your ability to communicate and lead, you know, a football team, a defense specifically, and like what that looks like for you. Like what's your leadership style?
2: Yeah, I mean, you know, when you get to be my age in the profession, right? You're gonna, you know, you take you take a little bit um, from everyone. You know, I'm uh, I can be pretty uh, intense on the field with the players in terms of um, being demanding um, in their production and trying trying to uh, treat practice like a game. You know, and and I, and I really did get that from from, uh, coach Cutcliffe and, uh, also, also from, uh, Jim Hoffer, who, who I worked for first at, at, at Cornell later when he coached at Buffalo, and was the head coach at Buffalo. He came from, uh, Johnny Majors. Jim Hoffer worked for Johnny Majors. David Cutcliffe worked for Johnny Majors. You know, they all, then they go back from Johnny Majors back to like General Nealon uh, you know, and, <laughs> <Right. you know?
1: laughs> yeah.
2: and, and, and Bear, brought, and then coach Cutcliffe, um, was a student assistant for bear bryant when he went to alabama wow yeah so that and 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 the biggest thing i got from 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 those guys you know the organization the coach's manual that kind of thing but the um make practice like a game you know hold your players accountable for what they do in practice and that's a little different thing and sometimes i joke with the defensive guys because you know, some, you know, the guys who are more laid back and be, oh, you know, that's why we practice, you know, we, we, you know, you know, and the players will laugh at me because, no, I, you know, I want perfect practice, perfect practice. You yeah. know? Well, you're never going to get it, but you're pushing, you're pushing, you're pushing yeah to, to try to make every rep um, count, you know, Um I was with uh, Gary Darnell at Western Michigan and Gary Darnell has worked for the AFCA most recently, but, you know, a long time defensive coordinator at uh, Texas and uh, Notre Dame and Texas A&M, just really a well-known name on, on defense. And he had a, he had a a calmness about him, you know, a confidence about him and uh, you know, uh, you know, where you could reach a point in the week where, you know, the haze in the barn, you got to be good with what you did in your preparation. And, and he never really let too much get to him. And I t- I've i taken that, you know, I've, I need a little bit of that. I need that to, to kind of dial myself back sometimes. Mm-hmm. And he was also, b- he was also big on, you know, the um, progression of teach, uh, motivate, demand. And I've, this with me i you know i've taken this with me because you got to be a great teacher you got to be a great teacher and i've really tried to take that to uh, another level when we were reaching today's audience which as we know are um you know the generation of instant on instant gratification all right you know so we just had a meeting the other day so now now the meetings are you know me, you know, walk in, music is blaring, you know, I'll be up there doing a rap dance if I have to do something to get them going, you know, and, um, and then everything I do uh, on the screen is interaction. You yeah. know, like I, like we teach defensive fundamentals and uh, one of them is smart swarm. And, and, and we, I say smart swarm and they all have to say, it takes 11 mm-hmm. you know, or when we talk about um, vicing the football on defense, you know, uh, they, I say vice and they say, own your hip, you know, how important. Mm-hmm. To right. teach so I try like every fundamental we teach, we try to make them say something from the audience so that they're, that they're responding. And then everything is hot spots now. Right. So mm-hmm. it's, the play stops and it's like, you know, you know, something pointing a big arrow, you know, just like you see kids make their highlight films. Cause that's right. what they're used to. Right. It's like, direct your attention right here. Look at this technique. You know, you, you're trying to continue to get their attention because that's just the way they are, you know, yeah. and, and the meeting's got to be 20 minutes and, and they can't be longer than that. Then they have maybe move on a unit and move on a position, but you got to keep them popping.
3: And
2: yeah. Questions too. That's a good thing. i like, Every meeting I have, at the end of it, um, somebody's face will pop up there and a question, and they got to stand up and answer the question. You know, so they they you know you have to be paying attention all the time. But that that um, philosophy of being a good teacher, I think Coach Darnell kind of taught me because, like I said, he was he was teach, motivate, demand, where he, his big thing was demand was last, right? I mean, you you can't demand anything from the player unless you've taught them really well. Yeah. And then you've, mo- and then you've given them a reason to do it. You've motivated them to do it.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And um, Coach Cutcliffe always used to say, you can't tell the difference between a player who doesn't know what they're doing or a player who's unmotivated. Mm-hmm. You can't tell. Right. I mean, you may you may make an assumption when you're watching the film, but you don't know. A lot of coaches want, you know, they want to get upset at the kid because he's not he looks like he's just kind of flopping around out there on the field or doesn't look like he has direction. Well, maybe he probably doesn't really he doesn't know what he's doing. Right. You know, and he doesn't want to say he doesn't want to say it. So it was teach. And that's why we've tried to be creative with new ways to teach new ways to motivate it, to, to motivate them, to get them interest, go back and teach, go back and, mo- you know, if you do all that, then, and I'm pretty demanding, but they trust me, they trust you, they trust you, you know, and you can push them, even though, um, you know, kids nowadays are, are probably more sensitive than we are, and that's a good thing, right, because our coaches used to grab our face mask and do all that, stuff, you know, all the things. And, 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 I'm not saying, and and I'm glad things have changed, and I'm glad that we're protecting our players more and everything that we're doing. Um, but they have to believe that you that you care about them, you know. Yeah. Coach Darnell was big on the one, you know, big on the one. They don't they don't care how much you know, but they know how much you care. You know, I mean, that was one of his. So so um, that's where the relationship with the players comes in for me. You know, if I'm spending a lot of time teaching them and I'm on top of I'm on top of things like one of our big things is explosive plays. Like you guys know how that can crush you. Right. If you're defensive, you're giving up too many big plays. You know, we've gotten better every year, but every time we go over them on Sunday. And uh, uh, the category is called defend explosives and the players say five or less undefeated. Because they know, you know, they know I've taught them through my history that if we give up five or less explosive plays, we can win every game that we play. Mm-hmm. And then every one that we have though, I have to give it I give them a reason why why it happened. Yeah. Not if just a corner gets beat or something like that. I'm not going to put that up there. You know, I'm not I don't want to embarrass the kid. I'm not going to, you know, those things happen. That's why we have five of them, right? We're going to get beat from time to time. But if there's something that our defense just spits up and we look bad. I, I'm going to tell them why. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times I'm going to say, this is my fault. They ran this play against this defense. They got us. You weren't prepared for that. This is my fault. And that builds the trust, you know, yeah. that's, and, and, and now they know that you're in their corner, you know, mm-hmm. never am I going to say that something was a player's fault, you know? Um Right, and that goes back through Coach Cuckle to Bear Bryant. I remember, you know, when you win, it's all the players. When you lose, it's your fault. And, and you, and, and and you know what? Don't be in it if you're not going to be like that, because that's yeah. you know, that's what we have to do. That's how we have to lead these guys. They have to see us taking responsibility. Because I'm not going to always be right there one of the things you learn being in coaching this long, no matter how smart you think you are, is that there is a God and it's not me, you know, I'm not, I, I trying to control an uncontrollable game. That's what makes it fun, but you're going to make mistakes. I'm going to make mistakes. They're going to make mistakes. If I'm going to ride them, I got to, you know, sometimes they'll rib me too. If I make a mistake and I'll hear about something, you know, the one bad call I had, you know, particularly when we win, if I had a – they'll just lay into me on that call. How the hell did you call that, Coach? Oh, man, I had one bad call. But that's the uh, – that's the rapport you need. You no know?
0: doubt. Yeah, Coach, I've also heard you talk about just in other interviews, You your your goal um, – and correct me if I'm wrong – it's like you you want your guys to be able to teach you the defense. So, I mean, talk to us about that. How do you get guys to that point? When do you know –
2: yeah, that's a great question and thanks for bringing it up because yeah, that is my goal, you know. Um, you really don't know until you see it in action, right? Because you don't want to, um, you constantly ask questions, right? And that's part of my questions that I ask in the meeting and you're constantly trying to engage them so that they have, you ask them a question about the defense and they have to, um, you know, be able to answer it. But not only, but they need to be able to answer it uh, quickly, you know, because like, I it plays over. So I'll get on them. You know, like if I ask them something and they go, uh, they stand a thousand know, one that they're thinking, I'm like, over, done, sit down, next guy, you know. And then one of the things that we do, which is kind of cool. I know because it costs me uh, money every uh, year because I have to take the winning position group out to dinner is we play these game shows. And I tell you what, people who see it, you would think it's kind of corny. And the the players have so much fun. Like we play, uh, you know, $25,000 pyramid. And the one guy has to sit there and describe, you know, maybe the stunt is called a ram stunt. And he has to say, you know, uh, when the end comes underneath the tackle and the other guy says ram, ram," you know what I mean? And, you know, uh, know, maybe it's a coverage and they have to describe it. without They have to say, um, this is when the safety – uh, plays the uh vertical hook technique in number two right and they and then and then, and then they have to have they have to have the name so we play these game shows and uh pictionary
1: mm-hmm.
2: uh jeopardy right and um cash cab where they answer questions. right All, and, and and in essence they are they are teaching each other and training each other uh on the defense and quizzing each other and um they love it they love it it's kind That's of awesome but they love it
3: Man, coach, it's, it's really cool. I think one of the things that's impressed us, you know, in following your trajectory, but also just kind of taking a look at what you've done from when you started at Oklahoma state to kind of what you guys are doing even now defensively, it's been cool to see kind of the adaptation and your willingness to, to kind of continue to grow. And uh that, that's been really cool for us. And one of the things that I really wanted to, to ask you about was obviously, you know, you've been on the defensive side of the ball for a while now, but you were a head coach for, for quite some time at Cornell and how do you think about it as as a defensive coach who's a head coach of a program? How do you think about uh, hiring an offensive coordinator to fit with your system? And has that changed between when you were at Cornell and where you're at now, just the way you're seeing the game?
2: Yeah, it has. It has changed. You know, um, when I was a when I was a head coach at Cornell for the first couple of years, I still ran the defense, but you know, I was consumed by it. And I got to be honest with you, I didn't put too much thought into who the offense coordinator was. Cause I thought I could, you know, save the world with defense, you know, I mean, you know, <laughs> you know sometimes you, yeah, sometimes you need a little bit of ego reduction, but I did, I didn't put um, that much thought into it. And you're right. Having been now into the big 12, I have seen so much, um, and, and I appreciate you saying the adjustments that, that uh, made, because they're like, like you reach a point in your career. And I think this is what gets coaches, you know, is they just refuse to change. They right. just, you know, this is what I do. This is what I'm going to go to the, this is how we do it. And, 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 you know, it's been good for them. And they're like, you know, we are not, you know, I'm just going to go. And maybe that it works for some people, but with me, man, I, I, yeah, you know, we saw what was happening, you know, when I brought what I had to do to the, Big 12 and saw how people were taking advantage of us. And uh, we had, we had to, we had to change, change it up. You know, we had to be constantly changing and morphing in this conference because the offense coordinators are so good. And now I watch like uh, my buddy Matt at Duke and what they're, and they're going against somebody and I'm looking at the offense saying, why aren't they doing this to them? You know, I mean, this is what we see in the big 12. I mean, they should be trying this against them. Yeah. so it, it really has um, opened my eyes to um, the more aggressive nature of um, offensive football yeah like yeah. seeing the big 12 you know and, uh, and uh, all the analytics and you know and going forward on fourth down all the time I mean yeah. just making the defense I mean you're never you're never comfortable you're, yeah. never, comf- you're never comfortable. You know, and and it's it's changed the way I think about football. No doubt.
1: One of the things I'm loving about this interview coach is, you know, things I've known about you already, but like, you're, you know, just hearing all of it come out from you is, you know, you just, the way you teach, the way you communicate, like how current and how much you're changing and adapting to the times and your players and all those things. But one thing that, that has remained a constant for you is you're a family man first before you're a coach and you're, you're coaching at an incredibly high level. You know, you and your wife have a great relationship. You've got three kids. Can you talk about what you've done to create balance in your life between football and family?
2: Well, it's been hard, you know, Chris. It's it's been uh, it's been it's been really hard. I think that um, the balance that uh, y- you know we kind of give it we kind of give it lip service, but um, you know, it, it, it really we we really need to do something in coaching, um, you know, in terms of more education about that, Chris. Mm-hmm. What I mean, I mean we all kind of say. You know, I'm a family man, um, you know, and and, and we do because coaches do uh, love their families as hard as anybody else. But um, honestly, we spend a lot of time. We spend a lot of time on 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 what we do, you know, and we're and we're, we're singularly focused a lot, you know, and it doesn't, you know, when when we're always going to be there because we're typically strong men. And we, you know, we're always going to, we're always going to be there in times of need for our families. But, um, you know, I think I try to, with my young coaches, you know, try to give them advice um, that things that we don't talk about a lot in coaching, you know what I mean? That, that, um, when you start out in your relationship and you have kids, you know, and your wife is alone in a town, you know, with kids and, you know, no friends or no relatives. I mean, those are hard things to talk about, but I am like, look, this is what you have to prepare for. This is what you have to um, have a heads up about. And it's kind of like we all, we all want our young coaches or, our, uh, our kids, hey, let's go off and get married and have kids so I can be a grandfather, you know, and and the same thing with your young coaches. Hey, why don't you, you know, why don't you get yourself a solid girlfriend or wife or whatever, you know, settle down? But we need to give them the, edu- the education. We need to say, look, you know, you need to take, like like with, with my guys now, you know, because Coach Gundy allows us to, you know, allows me to pretty much run my own schedule. I mean, if my guys have a, you know, basketball game or they want to see their kids, you know, baseball game. And and, and I tried to be like this when I was a head coach at Cornell, too, because this is it. You know, you got to let them go. I mean, you got you to gotta, you got to they have to be comfortable enough because when I was coming up in it, I mean, you felt like you were getting looked at all the time, you know, for it. And I'm not blaming the head coaches that I was with. I'm just saying that was the nature of the times, was you know, you were getting looked at you couldn't you couldn't leave the office or 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 your your uh your your film, video, whatever you were doing. I mean, you 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 were judged a lot by how long you worked, not necessarily yeah. how effectively you worked. And I don't think that's gonna hold up now with this generation. You know, I think we need to, we need to um look at it a lot differently, you know, from, from the older coaches and the perspective kind of need to say, Hey, look, you know, the way we did it is, is not the best way to, the best way to do it. And I've tried to model that when I was a head coach and with my staff now, you know, guys just calling, Hey, I want to take my kid to school today. Absolutely. You know what? We're studying two minute. We can wait a half an hour, you know, come yeah. on, you know, we can wait a half an hour just to, to do this thing. It's not a, uh, it's not all about outworking the competition in terms of the hours that you put in, you know, it's how effective can you be? And, uh, you know, I just think we need to do a better job modeling that.
1: Yeah. Wow. Wow.
3: No doubt. Well, coach Knowles, we, we certainly want to be respectful of your time and we can't thank you enough for, for this interview and, uh, just taking the time with us. We're obviously all young coaches and and look up to guys like yourself a lot, guys that have, have done things the right way and continue to grow throughout the the course of their career. So we just appreciate what you're doing and we're certainly going to be rooting for you guys this year.
2: Thanks guys. I I appreciate what you're doing. You know, I like the way that you're talking about other issues aside from just uh, X's and O's and schemes. I mean, you know, look, we all, you know, we eat that stuff up as ball coaches, but um, there's more to all of us. You know, I actually have a, a coat a mug a coffee mug that says coaches are people too you know <laughs>
1: <Right>. <laughs> that's
2: what i that's what i uh, when my, my my players you know when we're having fun together i'll be like hey man coaches are people too you know <laughs> be nice to me you know so um but i appreciate you guys looking into the bigger picture of what makes coaches
0: go you know and i'm Absolutely. glad to be able to share with you. yes sir I appreciate it
1: coachy thanks brother you were awesome that was great Appreciate it, guys. Always. We'll catch up soon. Okay, man. All right. Talk to you. Take Uh, it easy.
2: All right, coach. See you.